In our case, sustainability is a must. I don't see anymore the, you know, how we hear these days a lot of like, oh, this company is carbon neutral. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's enough anymore, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think we put so much thoughts as entrepreneurs, as, as business people into how are we going to grow and hire a new team or open a new branch and so on. But few times I hear how are we going to be more sustainable, how we are going to actually keep, like how do we create a business that gives more than what it takes. Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani and I'm your host Vidya Iyer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic and environmental practices. In our journey for a sustainable and a mindful lifestyle, we explore unconventional businesses and concepts, all with one singular goal, to bring the inner self in each and every one of us and the people who surround us. Today, we have with us Mauricio Padilla, the founder of Hinterhouse in Montreal, Canada, spaces where design, architecture and nature become one. Welcome, Mauricio. Thank you. And thank you for having me in your podcast. We're looking forward to our conversation. How would you define minimalistic architecture? What are the three key features of minimalistic architecture? I think it's uh, spaces uh, that let you be creative or be in peace with your mind. Right. So uh, I think there's different components in uh, within those spaces. But minimalism for us is uh, what's in between things and what's not between things. And uh, thinking always about the less is more. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's really interesting how our minds get a little bit more creative, more relaxed when there's, in a way, less things to look at and the things that we're looking at brings us peace mm -hmm. right so i think uh clean spaces clear spaces and a space among spaces mm -hmm. uh would for me define how architecturally we see those key components that make our, our spaces minimalist do you have a background in architecture <laughs> Not at all. My background is actually in software and uh, uh, business, and I was working on those two for, for 10 years, but I've always been a fan of architecture and nature. So every time that I would, uh, I used to travel a lot for work, and every time that I would travel for work, I would schedule my trips in a way that I could escape for the weekend and go for a hike and get lost in nature. And then as I would do this, uh, and especially I would do it in, in Norway, I would escape into these beautiful mountains. And then I would see these beautiful houses in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I would always think, why don't we have this back in Canada? Uh, I mean, we have it here and there, but not as a hotel or like not, it's not really a common option when mm -hmm. it comes to actually looking for places to stay. So um, I think it's a combination of uh, nature. I've been reading and a lover of architecture and design for uh, half a decade. So uh, a lot of consumption there. Uh, and uh, in a way, I thought about how do we bring this to Canada? How do we create these beautiful spaces? And how do we show people nature and also spaces where they can 
they can relax, be themselves, be creative, mm -hmm. innovate, mm -hmm. be motivated, whatever, whatever it means for, for our guests. I, I have two kids and when they were growing up, there were two concepts of how you lay your house out for the kids to be creative. Mm -hmm. One is that you have all the toys out there. And the mm -hmm. other is that the way you're saying, just remove one, play with it, put it back. In my case, actually, the kids wanted to have the easel there, the origami table there, and a bookshelf with books. Our home, I think, was not very minimalistic, mm -hmm. but it fostered a different sort of creativity. But I think what you are trying to tell us, the creativity is for you to be able to detach from different spaces to pick up and work on that? Sure. I, I think as we go through life and different stages in life, uh, our creativity is triggered by uh, different things, right? So mm -hmm. so I, I think with, with kids, it's a different uh, story. And um, I haven't done, to be honest with you, that much research on minimalism and kids, <laughs> but I'm sure that they need some sort of entertainment. But at the same time, I find that whenever they come from like either a city or like a very cluttered space and then they come back to to a place where they can actually play in nature it's a different they they, they 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 can focus more on the outdoors that that's what's inside so it all comes back to to balance i think as adults it's a different story in terms of we live most of us live lives where everything is busy like everything is work we live in like the the, the majority of us live in cities where um our mind although has a lot of things to actually deal with and sometimes a lot of information that we're dealing with a lot of information, the fact that we have the opportunity sometimes to actually go to these little oases, like either our homes or a place where we can declutter visually, it helps us to transition to something, to, to a different state, right? So we're used to a pattern of a lot of clutter. And the moment that we actually transition to something else, either it's meditation, a yoga class, or like minimalism through a place, our state of mind changes. And it let us, let, lets us in a way start thinking about things that we don't usually get the time to think because our brain is too overwhelmed with a bunch of other things from, from our everyday lives. True. I like this quote on your website. It said, it all begins with an idea then a company, then companies that you want to work with because they reflect your philosophy. <laughs> so let's break this down. What was your idea? Um, creating the spaces where people can relax. And um, also, uh, I wanted to provide people spaces where they can connect more with themselves and nature. So I think that was the main idea and then how to put that together with architecture. So that's the, that, that's the main idea of how this whole thing started. And did you design the space? I hired an architect to do that. So, so I had like all the ideas and components. How do we actually provide a lot of glass so people can feel that they're outside, but being comfortable inside all this minimalism uh, aspects we're talking about. But then definitely I needed an architect that understood what I was up to, what I wanted to do. So I was lucky to find a very promising young architect here in Montreal, which uh, was happy to and understood what I was trying to do. So the company you formed was Hintercabin? Well, it has been transformed. It's a young company, but like like through the last two years, um, uh, the, the actual company now, it's called Hinter Company. Uh, at the beginning, it was Hinterhouse, the main idea. Yeah. But as we grew, we uh, came up with new products. 
And uh, just so you understand a little bit of background, hinter means behind or the hidden, right? It's uh, in German, the word hinter is behind. So when you're talking about, for example, the word hinterland is the land behind. So hinterhaus was a play on words, uh, like the, the, the hidden house, the house behind, or like the, 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 the house outside of of the city in a way, right? Right. So we started with hinterhaus, like these houses that would be hidden in the forests, but then we moved into also creating a product that we call Hinter Cabin, which is our four-star boutique hotel, whereas Hinter Houses are five-star hotel. And so the, the whole company is called Hinter Company. Uh, and the whole idea is to create different spaces where people can escape. And our take on Hinter Cabin versus Hinter House is just, again, that four-star experience versus that five-star experience. And just to be able to offer different uh, people, different experiences, depending on their uh, budget or their likes uh, and so on, right? So the whole philosophy is to get people away from the everyday madness, to bring out their creative juices mm-hmm. and to kind of a reboot of all their senses. Is that the basic philosophy encompassing Hinterhouse? Yeah, I think it's to to offer people a place to reconnect. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a big uh, factor or like a, a big influence we get from, from nature. Uh, so we thought about providing a peaceful space for people and where they can be one with nature. And uh, reconnect has a different meaning for many of us, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, it could be a place where you go by yourself and uh, you go write, read, uh, meditate, or or it can be a romantic retreat where you're like putting the lights off on the city life and then just going with your partner and spend a beautiful weekend together. Or it could be a two families or a small family that goes into the house. And instead of, uh, I've always thought about the, the, the problem with hotels, sometimes when we want to actually do this reconnection side of things is that we're renting a room, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to actually people to be able to rent a space, a space where they can actually be together, like, like cook together. Um, one could be reading, the other one could actually be putting up a puzzle or just doing the, like practicing yoga, whatever that is, but spending more time in a space together and creating that space together. So mm-hmm. I, I love hotels, but for this sort of concept, I thought, why don't we actually, instead of renting like what we like we mostly do is we rent a room. Why not rent in a space, a place to actually be with our loved ones? Give our listeners a sensory and a visual description. Take me to Hinterhouse. <laughs> I like that. Um, imagine a place uh, where... What does it smell like? What does it smell like there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like this. Imagine a place where uh, you're driving out from a city and... Uh, you're starting to see the mountains, the woods, and uh, you see lakes, and then you just go down a road, getting farther from the highway. And uh, you're going into the thrilling roads, looking at the trees. And at the end of that road, you see a house which almost merges with nature, right? So you almost don't see the house, but, but you see it. You see a shelter. You see a lot of windows, as you walk in, it's a weird transition because you still feel outside, but you feel cozy. Wow. Uh, you feel that there's a lot of natural materials, warm colors. So the place is warm. 
the you see a lot of wood that makes you also like it has that effect on coziness uh, the 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 floors are heated floors so imagine this in a winter setting you feel comfortable you feel protected you feel sheltered but but at the same of the time 60 percent of the house everywhere you go you see trees you see snow if there's like if this is in the winter right or you see like beautiful trees or the colors in the fall so you it's a it's a it's a weird experience where you're actually merging yourself with nature but you're in the comfort of of your home and it smells like wood uh if you open the window you get like a beautiful clear breeze and 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 i guess it's very powerful to 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 actually think when you get to the house okay this is my space for the next two three days and I think that's where you start feeling how you're going to reconnect with yourself or you have realized that you're in a very different place, in a safe place and in a place that you're going to be motivated, that you're going to explore, that you're going to be curious. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel, at least. <laughs> so how far is it from a big city? Like right now we have uh, two houses. We're a young company. The houses are located an hour and a half north from Montreal um, in the Laurentians, which is a small mountain chain that, that we have um, through the province of, of Quebec. And there's a big ski resort in the Trambland area. So it's a very popular ski resort uh, close to Montreal, but it's far enough that it's not right in the ski resort. And that's the important concept of our houses. You're close enough if you want to actually ski, uh, if you want to actually hike, but you're hidden. Meaning when you get into our houses, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. And that's very important. So we're not planning to actually just build one house next to each other. We want to actually give that sense of privacy. And Right now we have two, but the plan is to actually put more houses for now in Canada and then move probably in upstate New York. Um, and the sky is the limit. We're, we've been thinking about putting these houses in Portugal, but always keeping a same consistent experience, right? Like where the guests feels that they are in a private, safe place and close to nature. I don't need to speak French, right? No, you don't need to speak <laughs> French. My, my French is not even that good. <laughs> okay. So where are you from? You're not from Quebec. Yeah, I was born and raised in Ecuador. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And uh, I, I've been living here in Montreal for the past 15 years, but I still do miss the warmth. The warmth. The warmth. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what? Um, I was always, um, I don't think anyone, even Canadians get used to our winter. Of course. But winter is completely different when you are out in the wild, mm -hmm. especially like, like I, I learned how to really enjoy winter and the beauty of winter when you have the right setting. So winter in the city, not so exciting. Winter and outside the city in a beautiful house, it's just, it's paradise. It's that concept of winter wonderland and it's so calming and winter becomes so beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a different story when you live here and you have to deal with it for five months, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, it, it brings so much peace. I never, I when I was growing up in Ecuador, um, we don't... Uh, we don't. We almost don't have seasons, right? right. We're in the equator, right. so like it, all year round, it's just warm. It's not even hot. It's not cold. It's just like it, it's just perfect weather. But the seasons bring so many things, right? That looking forward to something or like the, those 
transitional periods. Also, it brings change. Um, so the, the, the beauty of the houses that I love is that like if you come in in October or November, you see those crazy fall colors, right? Then, then in the winter, you have this peacefulness we're talking about. Uh, in the spring, you see animals all over the place. Wow. Uh, like it keep like coming up. Like you see beavers, you see wild turkeys, like you see life coming back. And, and then in the summer is a place where you have lakes, like the, the weather is amazing. It's warm. Uh, you, you can go for hikes. So it's, it's just a beautiful thing to have like this, mm-hmm. such strong seasons as well. And especially uh, again, when you have nature factor. I almost want to get in my car and drive up to Montreal from Lafayette. I hope hope you can make it one day. I do. I do hope so too. So just in case our listeners are wondering, why are we featuring this boutique hotel? I'll tell you what drew me to your website. I came across this in, in the various blogs and newsletters that I read. And what attracted me was the last part of that first sentence that I read out. Then you pick the companies you want to work with because they reflect your philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I believe that each and every component in the space that now you have described are sustainable, mindful companies, brands, right from the linen, the soaps. Um, different mm-hmm. parts. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And that's a main driver. And I think as we do in business or as we do in lives, you know, who do we relate with have to have ideally our same beliefs or we can learn from those people. I think it applies the same with companies and the companies that we want to work with and partner up. In our case, sustainability is a must. I don't see anymore the You know how we hear these days a lot of like, oh, this company is carbon neutral. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's enough anymore, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think we put so much thoughts as entrepreneurs, as as business people into how are we going to grow and hire a new team or open a new branch and so on. But few times I hear how are we going to be more sustainable, how we are going to actually keep, like, how do we create a business that gives more than what it takes? And we have the, the mind, the capacity to actually just figure out these problems, but we're not thinking about them enough with, when it comes to businesses. So that's one thing that we do. And that's one thing that I look into different partners mm-hmm. that work with us. Are, are you actually taking this seriously? Mm-hmm. So for instance, who are your partners? When it comes to cleaning products or self-care products, uh, we work with this amazing company called the Uncented Company. It's a startup, a Montreal startup. And what they do, uh, it's a few things. Uh, and sustainability, of course, is their main focus. But um, they sell by bulk. You can buy this big carton boxes where you can actually, like they call them, refill stations. So what we do in the house is we we would actually buy body soap, uh, all-purpose cleaning, conditioner, shampoo in these big boxes, detergent, dishwasher, soap. And what we do is we store them like in the store, like in, in our storage room. And our cleaning crew, every time that we're running out, they refill it through those boxes. Those boxes are like completely recyclable. Uh, you start actually saving also on the containers. So uh, there's less plastic consumption. Uh, and all the products are biodegradable too. So, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all natural. 
it, one thing is working with, with with this sort of companies, but then another one is and, and a beautiful thing is that you start educating people and our guests about it, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. and so we've got a lot of comments from our guests. Hey, where can I buy these products? Or like uh, we've heard from our partners in this case, Uncented Company, people have reached out to them and say, Hey, I just stayed at Hinter Cabin. I want to buy all of your products. <laughs> so that's actually really good to hear, and you feel way better in terms of like how you're educating people. Not only you're you're keeping a sustainable business, but you're spreading the word or educating people towards how to deal with these things. Another great partner of ours is, it's called Magic Linen. This company is in Lithuania and they produce the linens for very high-end linen for for the bedrooms. Towels are from them. And these are custom order, meaning like they, they don't mass produce, right. like whatever you order, you pretty much, they will produce right, it. Right? right. So that's, that's, that's massive. Right. And then uh, it's washed linen, handmade and so on. So you're supporting like smaller economies. Mass production has actually caused a lot of damage to our environment. So the fact that they were able to make uh, small batches and not have waste and not have because a lot of the waste and the low prices come because you have so much excess that you have to mm-hmm. order. Like say you had to always order in batches of 100 sheets. You know, you basically yeah. couldn't do that, right? Yeah, th- definitely. And you're on point on that. And and yes, sometimes it's more expensive. But, but we found ourselves, like I think through the 70s and 80s and 90s and early 2000s in an economy that the cheapest was the better option, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Until we started figuring out what you're saying, that is, well, I can go the cheapest way, but I'm not helping anyone. Maybe I can actually spend some extra bucks and help everyone, right? right? right. Like not not just myself, but like the planet. So I think little by little, like we, we've seen a transition in companies and luckily like we're living through that transition or like it could have been later. So right. um, I, I think we see a big trend these days and I'm happy to have that trend right. uh, where people will actually just go and spend a little bit extra for that organic product or that uh, handmade product to help like local economies and so on. So it's it's doing our part in spreading the word and again, going back to the educational side of things. And um, look, I mean, our cabins are not the cheapest ones to actually book, but it's all embedded in those costs into how to actually generate a business that can provide or give more than what it takes, right? So that includes this uh, biodegradable soaps uh, or cleaning products, this high-end, uh, quite expensive linen. Um, we also plant 10 trees per booking, right? right? So... Uh, and that's a big one. And that's, um, I feel so happy that we ended up doing that. I was like six months ago thinking about here I am creating a business where we're going to build more houses, mm-hmm. houses, uh, take down trees to be actually, uh, to be built. Right. And also like for the actual house, you need a, you need a bunch of trees. So I was just thinking, okay, great. I'm bringing people to nature, but am I destroying nature because I love nature so much. So I was like, kind of like, what the hell am I doing? Right. Uh, um, and then I, I was just thinking, how do I give more than what I'm taking? And the, 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 the first, thing that made sense is okay how do i plant trees and i looked up and like within 30 seconds i found like five non-profits on on google that they were planting trees so we partnered up with uh this amazing uh non-profit uh, 
based in the States, uh, One Tree Planted, which they have like different plants for, uh, for businesses. And we partnered up with them and we decided that we we're going to plant 10 trees per booking. So they're like $10 that we actually donate to this nonprofit to plant trees where needed the most or where when we think that a particular part in the world needs uh, needs it more. For example, like two months ago, we donated to, to Australia. But, but the point is that as little as it feels, each house ends up planting about 1,400 trees per year. Wow. So it, it's much more than a house right, takes, right? right? right. Um, so, and, and, and also, again, it goes back to education because whenever people book and we tell them this, they feel so yes. good that they're part of it, yes. right? Yes. Kind of like, hey, by the way, thanks for booking with us. You just planted 10 trees. Mm -hmm. It's it's very fulfilling, mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm just booking a place. I'm relaxing, but I'm also giving back. Right, right. And I don't think for what you offer, the prices are, I mean, they are upper hand if you compare it to a cabin. But if it is a home, a full equipped home. No, but you bring it a good point. To be honest with you, it's not extremely expensive. Um, it, it's not cheap, but it, it, it's not crazy amounts of money, you know? So, and, and that's another point because we do want to make it fairly accessible. And, and also you need to market to a different market segment at this point. And, you, you know, it's, it's a business too, right? It's not a charity. It's not just education. It's a mm -hmm. business too. So the price point, you have to figure out what your competitors offer and be on par with them. Otherwise, people will not take you seriously. Yeah, definitely. They won't believe that you're giving all these things if you make it very reasonable at the price of a cabin. Coming back to the price, I think uh, the, the way that I see it too, I'm at a point in my life that it, it's not all about the money, but as you said, it's not charity. Mm -hmm. So I think you find that balance where you know that you're generating some type of business that it's uh, profitable, but most uh, unprofitable, it does not only mean money-wise, I think profitable also means am i planting trees with that money mm -hmm. am i educating people that's 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 profitability right True. Uh, how am i actually helping people so um not charity but also not money oriented is it is this business bringing enough so it can actually do what it's supposed to do yeah, and survive and grow yeah 100 so what will it take for the big chains to adopt this sort of a stance towards sustainability. I know Marriott uh, hotel chains decided not to use straws. Okay, that's, mm -hmm. that's a very small step. What will it take to motivate them to say, hey, we will use biodegradable products. Yeah. So one thing I want to talk about their products is that very often when the products are natural, People are not sure if it's actually killing germs. I need to use bleach to clean. You know, like it's something very strong. Um, so, how do you assure that it's actually cleaning? <laughs> That's a good question. I guess probably we should actually ask the guys from the unscented company, especially at this time. Probably they got a lot of questions about like, hey, this is a biodegradable organic product. This is killing all the viruses out there. Right. Um, so, so to be honest with you, I don't know the chemistry involved into what kills viruses and whatnot. And definitely probably bleach is a better option. But mm -hmm. I, like, you know, may, maybe maybe it's just not. Maybe like regular soap or biodegradable soap with like enough amount of glycerin will actually do the job. 
<laughs> so uh, at, to be completely honest with you, I don't know. But what I do know is that what, what your main question before, which was what it will take to instigate or actually have these guys take measurements, because as you said, straws are not enough. And, and I think the biggest and most effective instigator are people right? Mm -hmm. Setting the example. And what I mean by this is, for example, every time that uh, we go to a restaurant um, and a restaurant that we love, and uh, we don't see this luckily anymore, but like when we, we would see plastic straws, I would actually come to the counter and say, hey, love this restaurant, love your food. Just heads up, you cannot do this any longer. And if you do feel like you will keep providing plastic straws, just so you know, we're not coming back. Mm -hmm. very respectfully, mm -hmm. which is making very clear that it's not okay anymore. And I think the same should apply to hotels, right? I think hotels, although they're taking certain measurements, uh, I still see a lot of, for example, when it comes to body care, all these shampoos and all these little bottles that are there. So sometimes they're, they're nice, but if we think it, we think about it in the large scale, like it's massive consumption of plastic and sort of unnecessary when they can start actually buying in bulk. And I've seen this from some hotels adapting this, these measurements, right. but, but I've seen, but I've seen a lot that they haven't yet. Yeah. So, um, so the next time that you're staying in our hotel or any of the listeners are staying in a hotel, Bring up these questions at the lobby because just one little like respectful advice or feedback might actually change the whole way that they actually operate. So we are very powerful as customers and we have to realize that these businesses or any sort of business will adjust some of their operations, especially when we're talking about lifestyle or hospitality, they will adapt to our requests because they know, not, not just because they're the nicest people out there, just because they want to make sure that they keep having you as a guest, right? So I, I think the, the, the biggest instigator is ourselves and actually setting an example and speaking up. And, and maybe they're waiting for that feedback. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there are yeah. people trying to see if this will work and Say 10 customers are very, very vocal about it and some are mildly vocal and they're like, hey, I think there's something out there and let's try this. Let's beta test this. And even though you think you as an individual may not have an impact on their decisions, maybe that's the impetus they need to move towards that. You never know. Yeah, I, I think that's the easiest thing to do whenever we're thinking, what can I do for the environment? How do I have to change things? Do I have to donate here and there? I think it's simpler than that. Next time that you are at a restaurant, next time that you're staying in a hotel, check those things out. And if, like, and if there's something that you can see that can be improved, bring it up. And you're, you're doing a big part. Maybe they're not going to change it, but like you're one person, maybe there's going to be a second person and a third person, and then they're going to make the decision of actually changing it because they will realize that they were not going to get like any more customers or like their customers are not coming anymore because they haven't changed those things. Right. right. On that note, we thank you, Mauricio, for coming on Mindful Businesses. Yeah. Th thank you for having me again. I think this has been an amazing conversation and I, I really love and enjoy talking about these things. So thanks again. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. Do not forget to subscribe to our podcast and like us on Facebook and Instagram. We recorded this podcast in Lafayette, Indiana. Tatum Gale composed the music for this podcast. This is Vidya Iyer for Mindful Businesses.